0: This week, we have a special episode to recognize the end of 2020. Heads up, it's long, really long. Sorry about that. We'll go through four sections. First, we'll recap what happened this year at our businesses. Then, we'll talk about long term goals. Then, we'll drill into what we're expecting from 2021. And finally, we give some predictions about the future. Let's do it. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. I'm Rick. I run a software enabled services company called Leg Up Health. So, Rick, we are doing the, uh, the end of year recap episode. This is our second time. We're like, we're in this. We're real podcasters. We made it a year. Another year. We're, what, a year and a half, I think, total in now? Ready to dive in? I'm ready. Okay. Okay. So the hard part about this is we're going to try to hold each other accountable because we did an episode like this a year ago, and um, we set goals. And so what we're going to do is say, what were the goals we set a year ago, and did any of them happen, keeping in mind, dear listener, that this was the year 2020, and nobody hit any of their goals. Okay. So... Let's start with personal stuff. We'll mostly talk about business, but we need to talk a little personal. Your goal in 2020 was to get to a point where you and your wife feel comfortable having kids. Updates yeah, on that? Yeah, <laughs> I had
1: one other one which was to to increase my level of play. So, uh, on personal, so I had two. I had one I kind of did it a little bit differently. I said, "Hey, my personal goal is to play a lot, but my family goal mm, is yeah. to get ready to have kids." And so uh, I can update on both. I'll update on the kids one first. Um, We not only got ready to have kids, we started trying to have kids and we were successful. So we are expecting our first child in March, which was way sooner than I ever expected.
0: Very nice. Congrats.
1: Thank you. So I know you
0: kind of referenced that earlier on the podcast, but in passing. So this is, uh, yeah. March, you said. Yeah, check. Check
1: checkbox on that goal
0: are we gonna have uh i assume as the date approaches we're gonna talk about like what does this mean for like work and are you taking a bunch of time off and stuff like that yeah when's the right time to talk about that that's probably a 2021 thing yeah yeah probably we've got enough on our plate for today but uh lots of exciting stuff coming for you okay cool how about how about playing more
1: I, i did a ton i i skied more than i skied in years i i'm playing basketball three or four times a week now which is oh. awesome. I, in, the, in the summer, I did a lot of water sports and skiing, um, water skiing and that sort of thing, boating. So yeah, I've definitely accomplished that, what I wanted to personally between those two.
0: Okay. You had a hell of a, you, you checked your goals. Well, before we go to me, what else? Do you, did you have any other personal like accomplishments or noteworthy things you want to talk about from 2020? uh you know not real not yet um i mean the only personal thing that i I'm, I'm
1: pretty proud of is the the newsletter that i would consider that a a personal accomplishment mm. i i this year i will send 51 newsletters uh which means i only took one week off and it's not necessarily that the content was great or i had a huge amount of subscriber growth or that type of success it was just showing up every sunday and not going to bed until the newslet not going to bed until the newsletter was out um, was yeah. I, I consider that a pretty big accomplishment.
0: Yeah, I if anyone wants to start a newsletter and is like second guessing yourself, I I subscribe to your newsletter, Rick, and I think it's a great one to look at because some weeks you've got like a new blog post that you can tell you put a whole lot of time into, and some weeks you don't, but you still send a newsletter out and you you know it's links to something old or there's always something. And as a subscriber, I'm never like oh fuck Rick, he didn't put as much effort in this week, which I think like it's easy to get in your own head and be like, should I really send it out this week? I didn't, I don't have new content for it. Totally. So congrats yeah. on that.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And those, and those are the, the hardest newsletters to send is when you're, they're usually late at night and you're like, I don't have anything that's good enough to send. And so I'm going to have to go light this week and hope mm-hmm. that my list, hope that this, the the readers don't, don't get too upset.
0: Yeah. I mean, I always just check and I'm like, oh, this was a light week for Rick. Okay. Mo- moving on with my life. Like, you know, <laughs> good. That makes me happy. <laughs> uh, yeah. What about you so on a personal me, front? Right. So, my goals were get a dog and exercise moderately three times per week. Um, I got a dog, check. Joe Lowe. Joe Lowe. Joe Lowe. Short low. for Jolon Dunbar, former St. Louis Rams player. <laughs> Have I told you the story about his, the coincidence should, of his name? Okay. You should tell it again. I'll tell it very quickly that. Shelly and I decided to name our dog Jolo after Jolon Dunbar, this Rams player. Then we moved into the last apartment I lived in, and I checked the mail for the first time and received mail to Jolon Dunbar. We were living in this NFL player's former apartment, and he was still getting mail. Just the, the biggest coincidence in my entire life. Jolo. Jolo.
1: <laughs> yeah. One day Joe is going to listen to this podcast and be like, holy cow, that's a, what a coincidence.
0: I, I tried to find him. I wanted to DM him on Twitter. Not that he would care, but his DMs are closed. So he'll never know. He'll never know the coincidence. <laughs> uh, so I got a dog exercising moderately three times per week. I started pre-pandemic. Yes, I did this. Um, I don't know why, like, why would it be any harder to exercise? Because I, I do it all inside anyway. I have no excuse for this. But as soon as the pandemic hit, I was just like, fuck it. I, I'm going to just take care of myself and not, I'm going to do what I want, basically. So I stopped. I, I'm doing about one day a week right now, not, not three.
1: And what were you doing when you're doing three?
0: Something like uh, hit, like high intensity interval training. So that that, I don't know. I don't really know any of the theory behind it, but basically like a, a very intense, like 10 to 15 minutes of do push ups until I can't anymore, do pull-ups until I can't anymore. I, I just, I don't have the patience. It's not that I dislike exercise. I, I just get bored. So, like, squeezing a lot of intensity into a short period of time is the only way I can do it. If you, if
1: you you probably can't, listener, you can't see, but Tyler did this this big fist Uh, to to imitate squeezing uh, things. um, Time in, Um, but such a man. Yeah, (laughs) that's why. That's why I did playing. Playing is
0: fun. You don't get bored, but you still get exercise. Yeah, I just don't like any of those. Like, I'm very happy for you that you did all that. That sounds like objectively good stuff to be doing i would not enjoy any of that
1: for you it's water polo
0: it was water polo i not anymore (laughs) not the only people who continue playing water polo in their 30s are like former olympians or you know like d1 players um i couldn't keep up with them even in my prime there's absolutely no way i could play with adults now unfortunately we
1: should go play with 12 year olds then
0: yeah, that could work. I mean, they'd
1: still kick my ass, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, any other uh, personal updates that you're that you're proud of or things that happened <laughs> that you didn't expect?
0: Yeah, so on paper, I had a pretty big year. I, I got married, um, which honestly has had absolutely zero impact on my life. Like, I've been living with Shelly for eight years already, so pe- people are like, no oh, big deal. And I was like, yeah, th- that had nothing. But a much bigger thing, getting the dog was huge. Um, and then we bought a house, which if you'd asked me at the beginning of the year, we buy a house. I would probably have said my guess would be never. Not like not yet. My I would have said less than fifty percent chance of us ever buying a house. And then we bought one in September because COVID and being stuck in an apartment. And it our dumbass dog t- took fifteen minutes to get out. It was like such a long hallway to go down. Our dog took literally ten to fifteen minutes to get outside to pee. So <laughs> very happy to live in a house now.
1: <laughs> it's amazing. Like a dog, ch- children. And what, and what COVID does, did, uh, you know, does to living situation. I moved to, I moved to the suburbs and we didn't buy a house, but we got a townhome that should last us for a little bit. But I can't imagine having a dog in an apartment complex where you had to, like, you, you realize that the dog starts whimpering and has to go to the bathroom and then has to hold it for the 15 minutes that you're trying to get to where he could be.
0: Yeah. And he he peed in the hallways a bunch. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Someone I forget who. Someone at work said to me because the house was about five hundred thousand dollars, and they were like, "You know, you really bought a five hundred thousand dollar dog," <laughs> <laughs> which is like brutally true. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah, that's that's kind of my personal life updates. You want to move on to business stuff? I'm ready. Why don't you go first on the business? Okay, so I'm reading through our notes from last year. So my goals were, um. The kind of high-level uh, goal was continue the product team's momentum and establish a rhythm of regularly shipping updates to Less Annoying CRM. I feel very good. 100% we did this. Um, looking back at the kind of every, you know, every two weeks or so, I wrote a blog post saying, here's what we did. And looking back at that for the year, it's like, holy crap, a lot. A lot of stuff got shipped this year. Um, the pace has actually slowed down a little bit recently because I think we're working on bigger projects, but I hope to get back in the rhythm um, in January. I feel very good about that one. Um, and then I also had the goal, write code once per week. Absolutely not. That did not happen. I, I completely, for, I even forgot that that was a goal. <laughs>
1: it was, is, that, is that okay? Like,
0: yeah, I uh, we will we'll talk about this later, but like, I, I want to do a similar thing for next year, but Writing code, I think, is not the goal. It's to, like, do something useful. I think what I wanted to get out of writing code is, in the early days, every day you're doing something that, like, moves the business forward. And you can really get bogged down in just, like, meetings and shit, you know, as you hire employees and stuff like that. I think what I really wanted is to do useful things. And I'd say I did okay in 2020 on that, and I want to do better in 2021.
1: You're going to have more, like, data, more real impact on the business. More like hard impact.
0: And like in small ways. Like, I I feel very good. I'm doing lots of strategy and management and stuff, but I want to ship something. I want to, you know, even if it's just like A-B testing the headline on the homepage, I just want to do stuff like that. Um, So I think I did okay with that, but I I didn't specifically code. Um, And then my other one was, by the end of the year, average 50 paying users joining per month through our referral channel. Uh, At the beginning of the year, one of the big goals was to focus on referrals. I actually... I gave all the input that I wanted there. Um, I did a lot to bring drive more people to the referral channel, make it more visible, improve it in various ways. It did in, increase volume, like traffic to that page to, to, to referrals, but not not fifty paying users. So I think I the input was good, but the output I fell short.
1: That's interesting. Um, but you are you happy with the progress that you made?
0: Uh, I. Uh, I wanted 2020 to be really marketing heavy. I'm not, the referral stuff all happened before the pandemic. Like that was my first project in the year. And I feel good about that. As soon as the pandemic hit, we we talked about this on the podcast. It was just a terrible time to market. It's like no one's buying anything right now. So I really stopped and focused on product. So I actually, this wasn't on my list last time. I do want to talk about some product updates. Can I just run through like a list of cool stuff that happened?
1: Before you do that, I just want to call out that your big marketing push
0: was to travel agents. To travel agents, yes. Yeah, and that you know, that didn't happen. <laughs> no, it did not. No, yeah. So And that's a good we, thing that, that it didn't happen. I started the year very very well. And and actually I was talking with my brother earlier today. He was like, "Should we get back to that when things calm down?" I actually think no. I think that a lot of the marketing stuff we wanted to do was kind of out of a lack of other ideas and a sense of desperation. I feel much more confident where the business is now. I'm like, we don't need to do that now. We're growing through more, I don't know, through channels I like better. That's awesome. Um, So yeah, and then some other quick highlights. At the beginning of the year, we launched uh, a major, major redesign, biggest launch ever at Lesson Wing CRM. Um, we had the pandemic. Let's talk about how that impacted us real quick. We had our first two negative months since 2011. And um, May was minus 204. Or I'm sorry, April, one of those months was minus 240 users. Uh, Pretty pretty big down month. I think we lost 5% of our revenue total between those two months. And and, and these are negative user growths, not negative profitability. Negative revenue. uh, Like our revenue dropped. We did not become unprofitable.
1: That's good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, But we also cut a lot of costs. We actually became more profitable because we cut in anticipation of a 10% drop in revenue and we only had about a 5% drop. So we actually came out of the year more profitable than we expected, despite our revenue being lower. Uh, we got that PPP money, which for people who don't remember is the U.S. government giving ridiculous bailouts to businesses that don't need them. Um, we got some money there. That was great. I mean, we we used it. It was helpful. But like, anyway, I'll stop editorializing. Uh, and we did our first summer of remote internships, which went not as well as in person, but pretty well. So those are my highlights for the year. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, um, oh, wait, shit. Those weren't all my highlights. Those are my pandemic highlights. I have all my notes here. It was a big year. Sorry, I'm rambling here, but I got to keep going. We raised our prices for the first time ever. That's a big deal. We went from $10 to $15. Uh, we hired two new people. That was a big deal. And we made major, major improvements to our customer service team, like working on the right things so we can get a lot more done with the same team right now. So, okay, now I'll stop talking. That's awesome. You had, did you have product updates that you wanted to share? Uh, I realized I started writing them down here and didn't finish. But j- let's just say lots and lots of we we launched two factor authentication, keyboard shortcuts, custom fields features. Just just a ton of stuff got launched. This you're year. happy.
1: You're happy with your business accomplishments for 2020. Yes. Yes. Ecstatic, it sounds like it was a this exceed this year exceeded all expectations.
0: It exceeded. Yes, I would say I'm happy with this year, and I'm ecstatic for what I think next year will be. Like. I th- I feel momentum in a way that I didn't a year ago coming into 2020. Um, but I think what happened in 2020 is not, it's not the peak. It's just getting to, like, I think 2021 will be the big year for us.
1: Last year at this time, you were you were facing, you know, is this as big as, le- the question of, is this as big as Less Annoying Serum going to be? And do I need to build a separate business? Yeah. Is it time to move <laughs> on to another business that, to generate future growth? And it sounds like the answer to that question is a loud no, um, this, this can be a lot bigger than, um, than it is currently.
0: There are still some things I need to prove. I don't like if, if you were an investor and I was giving you that pitch, you'd be like, well, I don't buy it yet, but I, I, as the entrepreneur buy it and I think I'm going to prove it next year. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. How about you? Um,
1: on the business What side. were your
0: goals for last year? Yeah.
1: My goal was really simple as a high level. It was to, I wanted to grow Leg Up Ventures monthly recurring revenue to $10,000, which gets me, got me to a place where I could meet financial commitments to, to my wife. Um, as you may recall, if you listen to the early episodes, I sort of, my, my wife is, Sable is not what I would call when we first got married. Uh, she was not uh, what I would call comfortable with entrepreneur, entrepreneurial, Lifestyle and how cash flow works with that, so we sort of you know just a shortcut and uh, and sort of solve the problem in the short term. We, I basically put a plan together where I would pay myself fifty k in year one, doubling to hundred in year two, um, and then getting up to you know replacing my 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 CEO salary in year three, and uh, that that sort of solved the worry. Um, one of the cool things that happened throughout this year was we got much more aligned and she got much more comfortable with the entrepreneurial experience. And uh, in July, we were we were able to eliminate those, that, that sort of um, financial commitment from me to her um, and sort of build the business together based on what we were learning. And when, once that happened, I was able to make the decision to shut down Group Current um, with my partner, um, which was a source of a lot of the, the goal in terms of revenue. Mm-hmm. And we were able to, and and, and I was able to sh- shut off consulting, which was another big portion of my distribution revenue, and focus exclusively on leg up health. And we were able to do this because um, we were starting to see traction with leg up health throughout the year. So while I didn't hit the 10K goal, um, I, I'm probably going to be, you know, w- group current was a loss, consulting is a loss um, of about f- what I was planning to get 5K each from those. Um, We'll start next year with 2K on leg up Health and LegUp Benefits combined, monthly recurring revenue. But there's a big difference between the 2K revenue on leg up Health and LegUp Benefits compared with the group current and consulting revenue because the group current and consulting revenue is professional services consulting. It's dependent on my time. Um, whereas I, I consider this two k that's coming from leg up benefits and leg up health. yeah, it's still very dependent on my time right now, but this is something that can scale into a co- into company revenue versus you know personal revenue. and yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm' so while it's it's twenty percent of the goal of ten k it's a, it's almost more like I'm more excited. I'm very happy it's, with it.
0: it's got to be it's such a fascinating case study in like how bootstrapped entrepreneurship works because this is from my perspective and i assume you agree with this a much better outcome than if you'd hit the 10k the way you were planning on hitting it 100%
1: and it's it's not just hitting the 2k this year uh, it's my wife and i being aligned on mm-hmm. what 2021 is going to to take and that you know we're committed to another year of slugging this thing out and and and, and growing the business. Um, and that's in large part due to the wins, you know, the accomplishments of Legapelt throughout the
0: year. That's awesome. The, it, it goes to show, you know, Jason Lemkin always says SaaS compounds or maybe, I don't know if you consider yourself SaaS, but recurring revenue compounds and uh, it only compounds if you have a timeline that lets it. And going from a mode where there, there's a ticking clock, there could be marital stress, like, To a mode where it's like, this is working and we're aligned. That, you know, if I were a betting man, that increases the odds of you being able to let it compound to the point where you're making meaningfully more money than you ever have before. I mean, seems like you're in a great position right now. Yeah. Yeah. And there's,
1: I mean, this is by no means a slam dunk. I've got a lot of work to do to get to, to where, where this thing is sustainable for, for the biz, for, for my family, but my probably my biggest accomplishment this year, kind of moving into what I'm, you know, reflecting on what what happ- happened that was good business wise. The biggest thing is Leg Up Health is at a point where it makes more money than it spends. Um, so right now, I can do this on the side if I wanted to, and this might seem like a small thing, but like having the ability to not, it's not an either or thing, but a I can I can go work another job if I needed to. Um, I can go, um, you know, get a side pro- consulting project if I needed to, and still progress this business is really, really exciting. Um, yeah. so th- I didn't, th- I didn't even, Legapel didn't exist this time last year. It was an idea. Um, and, uh, that's a big, big step forward.
0: Awesome. Very uh, th- cool.
1: A couple other accomplishments I I thought I'd share one. Um, I'm pretty proud of mm, Figuring out how to develop the Up Health product, um, in that in the, from the software perspective, um, I was able to couple together a combination of low code, no code, um, and um, you know database tools to to make a an MVP, and then ultimately turn that into uh, a product that actually I'm not embarrassed about anymore. That people go, "Wow, this is what did you build this with?" They, they assume I built it on some coding stack. And uh, so, so I'm pretty proud of that. I, I didn't know if I could do, the reason I'm proud of it is I didn't know if I could do it at the beginning of the year and I figured it out. Um, and, you know, we I had a lot
0: of podcast episodes kind of agonizing over how are you going to get a product built? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. And I started with this. I mean, it, just to recap real quick, I started with a Slack channel and email as my, m, my minimum sellable product. Then I moved into an MVP and I put the finishing touches on it right before open enrollment this year. And so I've got a complete product going into 2021, which is something I'm, um, I am i didn't even know I I started 2020 with no product and 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 no true like company. I didn't start Leg Up Health until February, didn't launch the minimum sellable product until May. So uh anyway, uh very, very proud of that. The other uh, one more um accomplishment that I wanted to share is that uh and this is kind of a weird accomplishment, but given my experience at People Keep and how I, I kind of I, I didn't leave on bad terms with people, keep, but it was more of a like, we're not going to talk about this. It's over. Goodbye. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, um, but let's just get on the same page with how the company's going to run. You know, when you need me, it was a my partner and I, at Group Current, came together and you know jointly decided to shut Group Current down. And then over a period of three to like three, almost six, three somewhere between three and six months, you know, moved the client to a new a new situation, um, and then you know formally shut the company down, distributed, you know, tax, filed taxes early, did all that. And we are still friends. Um, and I, that's, I've never, I, I, that took a lot of effort on both of our part. And I'm pretty proud of that. I can't explain it other than I've done it a different way and it was not good. Um, <laughs> this one was very different, which I think yeah. is a, a sign of, I think my, my, I've, I've, my emotional intelligence um, and my ability to, to manage, um, Let's just say conflict and tough, tough situations um, increased substantially this year.
0: Cool. Yeah, I, I can definitely tell a difference in you. I realize like listeners don't know you personally, but this is not the same Rick from two years ago. I don't think.
1: <laughs> no, it's not. I've, I've grown tremendously. So, cool. and that that's just a lot of just personal effort. It doesn't it didn't happen by accident.
0: Yeah. Um, so we're we're talking. We're going to do biggest accomplishment, disappointment, disappointment, and learning. Do you want to just keep going and do all three years, and then I'll do mine.
1: Yeah. So I've kind of already shared my biggest accomplishment, which is I yeah. think it just just ever. I'll just say getting focused, getting leg up health to from zero to two k and year one. Um, that's that's awesome, and to have like the prospects we have for growth. I going from idea validation to MVP development to first customers to you know couple thousand dollars in monthly recurring revenue, all in the span of seven months was incredible. And uh, I'm really excited about what's going to happen in 2021. That's my accomplishment. My biggest disappointment uh, is not being able to spend substantial time with what I would call customers, friends, and family. Um, And I mean, I, I was reflecting on this briefly before the episode... And I I I can't I don't even remember all of the things that I had planned for this year. Um yeah. with with especially friends and family. Like I think you and I were supposed to go to a conference together in Minnesota. That mm-hmm. got canceled. Um, that would have been uh an awesome time where we would have been both, yeah. both in sort of vacation slash planning mode and had a lot of fun at MicroConf.
0: That one Uh, was in April. So we were still like, Oh, maybe we'll do it this fall. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah, We were naive. Um, Another, like I canceled several trips home to see family. Salem and I didn't really do much vacation this year, which is really important to both of us. Um, And then I didn't, I mean, I haven't met many of my customers. When you start a business, it's really hard to meet your, do idea validation and, uh, grow initial customers, especially in a consumer business, without being able mm-hmm. to meet people in person and go to networking events. Um, I I'm disappointed. I didn't, I haven't been able to do more in person customer, you know, I just meetings and just kind of yeah. seeing seeing the world as it is from their perspective. And I'm hoping that when COVID ends, that that changes. But yeah, disappointed. Like not be, spending time with people in person has been my yeah. biggest disappointment.
0: Cool. I mean, not cool, but. Good to know. And how about, uh, yeah, learning. biggest learning?
1: Yeah, so learning, uh, this one is pretty obvious to me. And it, I mean, this is probably a bigger topic than we have time to go through today, but there's this, I've learned this year the difference between owning 10% of something like I did at PeopleKeep and owning 100% of something like I do at Up Health. And it changes everything from how you think about hiring to how you think about uh you know, priorities uh, to how you think about um, certain, you know, short-term and you know, decisions and the time horizon that you're operating on, whether to raise money, all these different things. And man, it's so different. And it's, I I'd, I'd never gone through this period of idea to, you know, revenue for initial revenue generation before. And I had no idea how hard it was because I, I picked up people keep same zane benefits after you know it would had the product had been validated and there were you know yeah. a few th- we were few were thousand kind of handed
0: a working business or a somewhat working business when we started working there
1: yeah and uh so anyway big difference and uh i i feel i feel a little bit i realized how naive i was when when i was um at people keep trying to negotiate larger percentage ownership packages Um, which, which I needed, I I needed to have that happen to stay because I wouldn't have stayed otherwise, but to think that that was even possible was so naive because of like, it's just not possible once you, once you, (laughs) once you have venture capital, like I, I guess my, my take, my big learning here is I'm going to protect my hundred percent as long as I fricking can. Um, and I, it's amazing what I'll do to protect that hundred percent. I was not that way with other people's percentages that people keep.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Very cool. All right. So for me, uh, my biggest accomplishment, there are kind of two big things I mentioned, this big redesign that we launched and the price increase, but I'm going to tie them together and say that my big accomplishment was change management. And that is to say, both of these were things that could really have rocked the boat. And as you know, trust is my word for my whole career. I've decided when I retire, I want trust to be the thing that I can say I did right. Um, so we launched this big redesign. I think we did a good job of giving people tons of communication in advance, tons of fair warning, uh, letting them opt in whenever they wanted. So depending on when their business has its busy season, we're like, you know, we're not gonna force it upon you until, I mean, I think they had five months to opt in before we finally forced it upon them. And then just kind of managing that whole thing. And then same thing with the price increase. I mean, we didn't raise price on current customers, so no one had a reason to be mad. But again, it's the type of thing that could, erode trust or anything like that. And looking back, like both of them just went super, super smoothly. So I feel really good about that.
1: Yeah. Trust. That's, I mean, awesome. Did have you always had trust be your number one thing or is that something that you clarified in the last year?
0: Uh, it was this podcast. I I don't, I think had I not been having all these conversations with you, I I think I knew like intuitively it's, I could have said like I care about this, I don't care about that, but I didn't have the word for it, and now I do, and that's great. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's it's a topic that that I find is at the root of so many different things that we do in business. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I mean, yeah, that's awesome, cool, good, good job.
0: Thank you. Uh, biggest disappointment. Um, in March, we hired a new CRM or in February, we hired a new CRM coach who we then ended up firing in March. It's the first time we've ever fired a full-time employee. Um, I think we had to, like, I, it was kind of a slam dunk where he, he was literally not working and tweeting jokes about how he wasn't working. So it was like, at least the upside is it was very easy decision to make, but you go through all the effort of hiring and kind of, there's an emotional toll, not a bad one necessarily, but like. You know, when you hire someone, it's like, this is a big change. We're all investing in this person. And it just, luckily, I didn't have to fire him. He was on Michael's team. So Michael did, but um, (laughs) it still was a shitty outcome. (laughs) Yeah. So is that the first time Michael's had to do something like that? He has fired an intern one time before, but those are the only two people we've ever fired as a company. It's really lucky that you guys have done that. But
1: again, it sounds like it's a, yeah. Yeah
0: a big part of it when you when you hire a lot of interns we've sort of fired people in not giving them offers right mm. there's kind of this deadline where you don't have to fire them you just you're like so long you know um so it's not good to make light of someone getting fired obviously but it was just coincidentally the absolute best timing possible because the reality is not having him employed not ha- forget him like not having that extra person during the pandemic and the recession was like a big part of why we didn't go unprofitable. If we had, our plan was to fire him and immediately call, because we had just done the, we just hired him. So we would just done the recruiting process. We had a second person who was basically tied with him. So we were just going to call her and give her the offer. Uh, but the day we fired him was the first day the stock market crashed in March. And so we pulled back, like we still had no idea what was coming, but we were like, if this is a thing we we're were we not going to want to give it a job offer right now. So we held back and then it crashed. It dipped even further the next day and even further the next day. So if we'd done it one day earlier, we would have hired someone that we probably shouldn't have hired. And if we'd done it one day later, I mean, I would have been a lot more gun-shy about firing someone knowing we're in a recession and about to go remote. But it, uh, it basically, timing was perfect, but otherwise it was just a terrible situation.
1: Yeah, I mean, lucky you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was my biggest disappointment. And then my biggest learning, I've said this on the podcast cause I kind of somewhat learned it here, but I just have benefited tremendously from getting clarity around the difference between the role of an entrepreneur versus the role of a CEO. So for people who haven't listened to past episodes, just to reiterate what I'm talking about here, I always kind of struggled with like, what, what is my job here? What am I supposed to be doing? In the early days, you're feeling really useful And then you start spending more time in meetings and managing and hiring. And you're like, am I actually doing work? Also, I delegated stuff pretty poorly in the early days. And I've learned lessons about that. So, the takeaway, the the learning here for me is it's the role of an entrepreneur to get something from zero to 70. And it's the role of a CEO to hire someone and delegate to them to take it from 70 to 100. Um, So, I don't need to get stuff to 100. That's not my job. Other people aren't supposed to get it from zero to 70, that's not their job. I've been doing both of these things, but I didn't view them as two separate roles. And now I understand, okay, marketing is not at 70 yet. I'm still the entrepreneur on marketing. Customer service is at 98. I'm the CEO on customer service. And it's just brought a lot of clarity around how I uh, think about my role at the company. That's awesome.
1: That's a big learning
0: Yeah, (laughs) I I, I think I'm going to keep
1: referencing this for years to come. And what I I, we talked about this on an episode in in depth. I don't remember which one it was, but one of Mm my one of my biggest insights from this learning was this applies to a company in a way, like as a as an early stage company when you're first starting. But it also applies to a big company in certain situations where you're trying to build something new, whether it's a new product or a new marketing channel um, or you know, who knows anything new about the business, a new department. Um, you're, you know, generally your job. Whoever's leading that effort is is that of an entrepreneur getting it from zero to seventy, and then at that point you can hire someone to come take it over. That was a big, big
0: learning for me as well. Yeah, interesting. Um, cool. Okay, so this is going to be a long episode, I can tell. But uh, we are done with reflecting on the past. Anything else you want to add before we move on to kind of the middle section here? Nope. Okay, so let's talk about. um, Basically, you kind of label this as macro reflection, dreaming, but we want to just talk about why we're even doing any of this. We talk a lot about specific goals, like next week I'm going to do this, but it's been a while since we've just kind of pulled back and said, like, what's the point of any of this? Why are like why are we entrepreneurs? So I don't know how you want to approach this. Should we just? Do you just want to start talking?
1: Yeah, maybe we just answer the question, "Why are we entrepreneurs?" first, and. And do do it jointly because I, I have a feeling it's probably not too different. Our answers aren't too different. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, one of the reasons I I'm I chose a year and a half ago to go out on my own um, and be an entrepreneur versus go join another company was was one um, I I'm comp I think I'm good at it. Um, in, in other words, it doesn't scare me. Um, I generally given enough time can figure it out uh, figure out how to make money. Um, and I you know I have a track record that suggests taking something from very some something that isn't working and turning it into something that is working you know i felt like i was going to be able to do it and second thing is i like it um so it's actually like building something solve, solving really hard problems helping people it it's fulfilling to me so there's sort of mm-hmm. competence fulfillment and then when you add those two things up it's really the quickest and most enjoyable path to what I would call financial and time freedom um, that I could choose. Yeah, could I go and you know get rich quicker, uh, or get financial freedom quick quicker by being maybe an investment banker or joining another company as its CEO? Um, yes, maybe, but I would not enjoy it, and I don't know that I would be as good at it. Um, and so, for me, this is the just the pathway to the the dream of you know, freedom that we pursue. And we, you know, in, in my opinion, we never re- actually reach, but um, <laughs> you know, that's, 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 that's it for me. Competence, um, fulfillment and freedom.
0: I hear a lot of people say the freedom thing. I think this is a super common reason to go into entrepreneurship. I don't think it applies to me. I actually think unintentionally, I'm not mad about it, but unintentionally I made, I put myself in a position where I'm every bit as constrained as I would be if I were working for someone. I feel such a sense of obligation to employees and customers like I'm working 40-hour weeks and it's probably not on my favorite schedule and <laughs> I I love my job this is not me complaining at all but I actually don't think I have a, a, the the type of freedom people talk about. So that that's why I said it's elusive. Um it, yeah. it I
1: totally agree with you. Um if you care enough about your business you're probably never going to sell it. If you're building a startup to last business, it's a whole nother level. Um but the fact is you could. You could, yeah. A- and and you have a business that if you sold someone, I I don't know what the valuation is. It's I think we said one time it's probably the average of what um, of what your revenue is and what uh, like ten x whatever like the averages of how you um, it would be valued on its current basis plus you know with what it would be worth um, if it was optimized from a, for an efficiency standpoint. But but that would that would accomplish significant freedom for you. Um, you just wouldn't be able to live with yourself, which means you'd never do it.
0: Yeah, and I'm very privileged in that. I, if not this, I'm I'm sure I would love any number of other jobs. Um, and and I would say that there's a significant
1: difference with regard to freedom. You, you choose your shackles. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. In this case, you you know, if, if at one point, if, if when the reality is, if you woke up one day and you said, "I am stuck. I am not happy," you can take off these shackles. You can choose that. That is freedom. And so That's it's it's and while yeah yeah like while you're building a business, you absolutely feel. Um you know shackle to the business the best thing about owning a business is you you can take the shackles off not many people can say that
0: yeah so you gave you gave three kind of driving goals I guess um for yourself so i'll I'll give three as well um so I kind of already said like yeah w- what's motivating here one is trust uh I love the fact I already mentioned trust but I love the fact that I can make sure the business never does anything that I don't feel good about. Even if I'm still working, like my day-to-day, it's very similar to if I were working for someone else. Um, we never do anything where I go to sleep at night and I think, oh shit, I wish, I wish I had the ability to make us not do that, but some bosses. So that's kind of to your point just Control. now. Control. Control, yeah. Products, uh, just b- building things. I love creating things out of the process of creation. It feels good when people use them. I don't think I'm particularly motivated by the financial side, but if you build something and no one ever uses it, that sucks. I just love creating stuff. I, I don't care what it is. CRM is the most boring fucking thing you could work on. Doesn't matter. Building a tool that people use feels great to me. I just love it. If you had to, um, if you had to, go ahead. Sorry. My final thing is, I I didn't have this coming in, but one of the reasons I've put these shackles on myself and I don't have the type of flexibility is an obligation to employees, and that has become one of the most rewarding parts of it is creating a great place to work. I never saw this coming. This was not a part of my vision when starting the company at all, but it's become arguably the number one thing that's motivating me now.
1: I totally, yeah, I totally get it. Uh, I had moments of that at People Keep and Zane Benefits um, where it was like, man, this, the best thing about my job is the impact it has on other people, especially Mm -hmm. team members um, and their lives. Um, But being able, but, but yeah, like, I'm at, at your level where you are now, where you control the the destiny and you can, <laughs> you can, you know, you you, don't, you aren't beholden to anyone. That's a whole another world. So that's, that's, I, I totally see that. Do you have any sort of, like if you had to fly up and say, what's the driving goal? Is there one that comes to mind or is it sort of all those things?
0: Um, I mean, it, it's, it's all of, I, I guess I have different goals related to all of them. I, there's a different question you asked here, which is like, what do I hope to accomplish? Which maybe that's a good way to frame my driving goal. Should I just yeah. answer that? <laughs> yeah. What do you
1: want? Yeah. Let's just move to what What do you want to accomplish? Well, before we do that, I, I, what, what's one yours? One, yeah, I, I think the one thing that we haven't talked about is sustainability of, mm-hmm. of like happiness, or, of a happy life. And part of what, what's cool about a business is it does generate it does create that if you can get it to a certain point, it, it can become sustainable and some businesses die at a certain point, just like biology for humans. There's a biology of, you know, biology for organizations. Um, but it, there's, there's uh, this thing that sustain that could become sustainable and it can sustain you and your family. It can sustain other people. And uh, you kind of control that, des- that that destiny that is the, and just have, being in a sustainable situation that you control, that you know where you get to choose your own shackles is kind of the driving goal for me. And I I don't know how else, how else to explain it other than get it like right now one is just getting to a sustainable place um as a driving goal so that I can do this forever.
0: I was thinking just this morning about I should have mentioned this earlier, but I'd already prepped this and I forgot that I thought this. Um, if I could use a word to like express one of the reasons I'm so happy about this year, the word would be enough. This is the year where I realized, you know, i I still am very, very motivated to keep growing and challenge myself and all that, but I have enough in every way I got married. I have a house. I could live in this house for the rest of my life. I could live on my current income for the rest of my life. I, I can decide what what's going to motivate me going forward. and to, to your point of sustainability, anyone who wants that sustainability, A, it's about getting enough, but B, I think it's about lowering what enough is. I know so many, I shouldn't say I know so many people I follow on Twitter and stuff, so many people that are like wildly more successful than me and they're still unhappy with their situation because they're enough. There is no enough for some people. And that's like, I mean, fine to each their own, but it's a shitty way to go through life if you can never be satisfied.
1: Totally. And the, the, but everyone's enough is relative Mm-hmm. The, the key thing is like, hopefully you do have something that is enough. If you don't, that's hard. That's a, that's a, sure. That's an impossible goal um, to, <laughs> to reach. But the, the I think the key point for you is you're, you are, you, ha- you are, what you are producing from less knowing serum is reached that point where it's surpassed your enough number. And that just means it's, it's, that just is, that is the holy grail of what I'm trying to accomplish at Leg Up Health. And I guess what, 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 one question that comes from that is once you accomplish that. Is it about protecting that? Is You know, is that what your driving goal is? Is protecting that sustainability of your enough number? What What is I mean, your driving goal once you hit that?
0: I mean, that's what th- those are the things I think I was just saying, like um, the, the I mean, product and making a great place to work. Not that those weren't priorities before, but like one of the reasons I say like the marketing stuff we were going to do earlier this year that we stopped, I don't want to get back to it. I wasn't interested in those projects and we're doing well enough as it is, you know? So no, I think product and being a great place to work are the two and, and trust. Like I said, th- those are the things now that I don't have any, I don't have to care. Those, those are the things that I'm focused on personally. Cool. Um, But yeah, good, good point about the sustainability thing. So uh, what's your, what's your goal for the next 10 to 20 years? Um,
1: I I haven't put a ton of thought into this. Admittedly, I just don't have time right now to really
0: dream. That's probably smart.
1: <laughs> yeah, at the, the level the level I want to. But I did go through an exercise with Lena, and I kind of used it as a as 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 a project to show her how to think about a business um, over a long period of time. And so I I said, let's just dream for a second, and and we 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 sort of mocked up a business. I said, you know what? I'd like to have a business that makes ten million dollars a year and twenty percent profit, and why? Why that? Well, that means that I can have a couple partners that I'm paying a, a good bit of money. I'm paying myself a good bit of money, um, and I wouldn't have to worry about like that's more well more than enough than my enough number, right? Yeah, and probably well more than the enough number for the the key partners that I'm working with. Um, and so I said, okay, let's what what do we need to accomplish in the business if we if we broke the ten million dollar you know, business down and 20% profit. What are some of the key assumptions that have to be true? Key key metrics that have to be true in order to hit that. And we worked through it, you know, three three or four levels down to, you know, what's the cost of service? What does that mean for a coach's salary? How many coaches do we need? You know, what does it mean for a number of clients um, on leg up health on leg up benefits? And uh, so it's, you know, those numbers get really big. And I'm not going to go into that in terms of like what I want to accomplish in the next 10 years, but basically it it broke down into there's some stuff we need to do with leg up health. And there's some stuff we need to do with leg up, um, benefits. And more importantly, there's some stuff we need to do on the consumer side. And there's some stuff we need to do on the employer side. And on the consumer side, I want to become the one stop shop for consumers who need health insurance, whether you're on Medicaid, Medicare, individual health insurance. If you need to get your own health insurance, you can come and we'll take care of you. Uh, not know this you see like, the
0: scaling to the whole country.
1: Uh, I'm not worried about that. I, I, I don't, I don't think it needs to, to hit the $10 million mm-hmm. number. Um, but I, I think it will be hard at some point on the, in the next 10 years to say no to certain markets. It would take so much discipline and p- letting people down to say no, that I think it's impossible to, to, to sustain. So yes, I do think we'll be another, another state. Yeah. Do I think we'll be in the all, countrywide? I don't know. Okay. Um, on, on the employer side, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, I want to, we, we need to have built the Benefits platform for all benefits. It can't just be for health. I like for for this. I think it needs to be something that is. Hey, we are the payroll company for benefits. In that you put money in our platform, and we help employees personalize that to their to their needs across all of the benefits that you could imagine: health, retirement, education, travel, charitable giving, etc. And and we we just take care of it for you. Um, that's ten year that's like the 10 year vision for me 10 million in revenue twenty percent profits and product development that is is differentiated like make sure that we're differentiated
0: so those all sound like great goals or maybe they're not goals exactly but like a vision mm-hmm. but there seems to me a bit of a mismatch here which is like the product vision you described is a much bigger than a 10 million dollar business why I mean it's, it's, if, yeah if this is like the place everyone goes to get health insurance <laughs> for ten, for ten years so you're saying it gets bigger after that
1: oh yeah and uh okay. th- th- we had some other things like I wanted to have at least a 20 percent annual growth rate but the reality is if we've accomplished the product stuff there's gonna be significant other growth rates yeah. um but yeah it's okay. a big it's the product's much bigger than the revenue okay but i is, that, I interpret yeah.
0: it to be ten 10 million is like the number where we're going to settle in, not where we're going to be. So I just misinterpreted that. So yes. gotcha. ten,
1: 10 million is, I would be really happy with. And if we did the product things, I would know that we could grow this for a long time. Yeah. Very cool. I like it. Tell me about yours.
0: Um, Yeah, I don't, I, I've talked about this before. Basically the first 10 year, I, I break less knowing serum. The way I'm thinking about it is breaking it into 30 years, three 10 year chunks. We just finished the first 10 years or really the, first year of the second 10 years. So the first 10 years the narrative is we built a simple easy to use product for small businesses and bootstrapped our way to like a good foundation. That's what we've done. I think the next 10 years I'm hoping is about turning that into a suite or a bundle of products where we can solve more problems for the same people. Um I don't exact I don't want to say I don't care about what those products are but I could list 15 and I'd be happy with any four or five of them, but Things like, you know, we want to build uh, appointment scheduling, I want to build a good note-taking tool, web forms, invoicing, and maybe even more accounting stuff. I just want to, I want it to be more than a CRM 10 years from now. I want people to feel the same way they do now, but to say, it's not just CRM, it's most, many important areas of my business are handled by this one company for one low price. That's what I'm hoping for. And then I want the next 10 years to be more about innovation and to say, Rather than taking existing product categories and making a less annoying version, I want to create something new that has never existed before. I don't think it's going to be that crazy, but like if you take all these things and build them into one platform, at some point, one plus one equals three, and it's actually something new altogether. The same way, I think Notion is this right now, right? Notion is a combination of four or five different things, but it's better than if you used those four or five things separately. That's what I want the the third decade of the business to be.
1: And is that from the perspective of like the whole market it being a new thing, or is that from the perspective of your small business customer?
0: Uh probably the whole market, I think. Um, it's actually I'm I'm getting way ahead of myself here, but I've talked to you about like naming the company and stuff like that. But right? like, <laughs> this is
1: dreaming, right? Like this this is dreaming, right? Let's put a disclaimer out there. Like this is if no one is allowed to hold us accountable to these things, <laughs> um, this is simply thinking bigger than what we normally think big. And it gets us excited and it makes you think about how to do these things and whether you're make, whether your present day is aligned to your big future plans. And so Rick, yeah. if
0: if you're not at $10 million in 10 years, I'm going to call the whole thing a failure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah. So the, the me getting ahead of myself thing is, I think the less annoying branding is going to be beautiful for the second phase of this less annoying invoicing, less annoying email, less annoying whatever. I think my goal for the third phase is we can't less annoying branding doesn't work anymore because no one, there's nothing to compare us to. So I think that kind of answers your question that at least in some ways, I hope it's novel enough, like in the whole market.
1: Cool. Cool. And what's, I'm, I'm, I'm curious as to why that's important to you to do.
0: Um, Kind of like what I was just saying. Like I'm, I'm at a point where pr- I love building things, and I, i enj- I enjoy. I would say building something like Less Wing Serum involves micro innovation. It involves saying, okay, it's very well established what a serum is supposed to do. Can we figure out these little tiny ways to make it better? And that's fun and rewarding. But I'd love to do a bigger innovation at some point, and I think that means going into a new category.
1: That, that's interesting. I feel the same way about Leg Up Health, where it's like there's this. Insurance agent out there who is really annoying. We're going to make it mi- on a micro basis less annoying in a number of different ways. And it's going to add up to like a, a big, less annoying product called uh-huh. Leg of Health. Um, but on the employer side, it's much more this hasn't been done before. This is innovative and it's a totally different type of innovation. Um, and it's much more fun. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> it, yeah.
1: It's it, but but it doesn't make money right away. It takes a lot lo- longer.
0: It's it's so hard to bootstrapping. Like if you read any any books on advice, they say don't create a new product category if you're bootstrapping. So I'm hoping the next ten years is getting me to a point where I have the resources to behave as if I'm a funded startup. Basically, cool. So, that makes that's awesome. Um, Roles. great. And then, yeah, in this this is our last part of this kind of dreaming topic. So. What do we want our roles to be long-term? I think I've come a long way. And I said earlier, like, what was my biggest learning? And it was the difference between a CEO and an entrepreneur. So I'm going to use that framing here. I'm going to say, my entrepreneur, I I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be a CEO, and I want to be an individual contributor. On the entrepreneur side, I want to go around and find things at the business that have not hit, they're still in the zero to 70 range, and I want to get them 70. I don't care too much what they are. I I like the, you know, the chaos of entrepreneurship. On the CEO side, I want to basically have everything that's above 70 delegated. I want to be able to say, you know, I I have to spend some time managing the leaders of the company, but I don't want to be particularly involved in day-to-day, you know, like managing a team exactly, except on the individual contributor side, I want to run product. So I want to be, I still want to be doing design I want to probably be managing a team of designers. That's my individual contributor work. And then the entrepreneur and CEO stuff, I basically want to be like 10 years from now, hopefully kind of on the back burner. What What's on the back burner? Can you clarify or, that? Yeah, I'm, I'm not explaining this well. I don't think I'll ever get away from entrepreneur and CEO stuff. But, sorry, I'm rethinking this as I'm saying it. I want the CEO stuff to be on autopilot. I don't think I love... I, I love the impact I can have. I don't love the work of a CEO, so I want to do it but not like make See, that my priority.
1: You're saying you don't want to be CEO
0: mm, maybe uh, yeah I, that's, I think interesting. I Th- that's interesting
1: That's well, interesting because think of the, like the context of this question is 10, 10 20 years, right? Yeah, like long term, when you're le- when the company is going through the ne- the third phase of growth, where you're ma- managing this old business, this let's call it legacy business that's less less annoying. Mm -hmm. less annoying everything and you're going into the innovative market, like the communication challenges and the employee management challenges and expectations, they're going to be as big as they've ever been from a CEO standpoint. So do you, are you saying, are you saying that you might want to bring someone else on or elevate someone to handle that?
0: I think there are a lot of examples of CEOs bringing on a COO who different CEOs have different sets of responsibilities. I would, I think I would be very happy having a COO who's like, making sure all that stuff is working, and then the CEO can kind of do more. I'm going to manage the management team. I'm going to set the direction, the strategic direction of the company and stuff like that, but I'm not getting too in the weeds. I I also, I don't know if you saw this, um, very interesting to me, Jeff Bezos, who's kind of probably considered the most effective CEO of the current generation, I would think. When the pandemic started, there were all these news articles that were like, he's back in it full time. He's like really spending time on Amazon again. And I was like, I didn't realize he had stopped. What? The guy who's like heralded as the, the best CEO in the world isn't the CEO, isn't really working on his company? What's going on? And it turns out prior to that, he was he was sitting in meetings occasionally and like giving direction to his, you know, lieutenants or whatever you want to call them. But like, he was pretty hands off, apparently. That's a pipe dream. I'm never going to be Jeff Bezos. I'm going to be clear about that. But I could, I could I could see myself being happy on like a bootstrapped smaller version of that. Yeah. So what you're saying
1: is that, that well, yeah, you, you're you clear on what you want to be able to do. And to get there, you're going to have to build a really solid management team.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Building the management team is the language I didn't have there. But over the next 10 years, that's, I guess, that's one of the big goals. I like the entrepreneurial stuff. Although now that I'm talking through it, that's a dumb thing. Cause like hopefully everything's at 70, 10 years from now. Right. I don't, I don't think. Except your new innovation. Then. Yeah. So, Okay. I everything I wrote down here was wrong. What I want is to do enough work to manage the company responsibly, but be able to put as much time as I can into the innovation product side of the business. Okay. I think that
1: that's super clear. Yeah. I like Great. it. Cool. How about and, you? And and feel free to change you'll probably change that too. Yeah. Me, but yeah <laughs> Absolutely. Um so I, I gave this way less thought than you. I, I just the observation I made quickly on this was and the and the question I'm answering is what what do we want our roles to be? at the company on a day-to-day basis long term. And I, you know, I think uh I like the role of of, of CEO. Um I I do I I at People Keep in the role of CEO I was very too hands-on. I had not built a management team. So I absolutely do want at some point um to have great people around me who are who are taking care of the stuff and letting me dream more. I, I really like dreaming. Um, I like talking about like the ten-year stuff and the strategy stuff, um, specifically within that, I, I really like the product marketing area. So, the, the the where the market needs and problems intersect with what should we build, I really like that area. So, I'd have a hard time s- stepping too far away from that. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, I think uh, from from a ten-year standpoint, I'm I, I'm very. I'd like to move into being able to be a CEO and a manager of managers. Um, And then, you know, with most of my, let's just call it getting dirty work, getting ham's dirty work happening on, you know, at the intersection of product and marketing.
0: Great. So we're, we're pretty similar. I mean, you're maybe more on the marketing side, but pretty similar goals and maybe a little more of the CEO work too.
1: But yeah, I, I I think you're at the point now where you're doing what I want to be doing Mm, in 10 years and you're at the level you're, you're doing something that I can't even contemplate right now. You want to be where I can't can even contemplate because I'm not yet where you are. Makes
0: sense. So can I give a quick, before we move on, quick disclaimer, because I know some people listening to this are very early on in mm-hmm. their startup journeys. And the number one mistake I've seen people make, and I personally made, and it came at great cost to me, is you think I'm that big picture CEO, what both of us just said, way too early. Um, I'm saying ten years from now, so I'll be 21 years into the business, and I think even then, probably, t- what you said earlier, there's going to be a ton of CEO challenges. Like, I'm still going to be day to day running things, probably. Um, so I just hope anyone listening to this isn't thinking, "Oh, yeah, I'm going to spend a couple years doing this, and then I'm going to go big picture, hands off." Like, it's it's a pipe dream. Doesn't yeah, I mean, happen.
1: and I and I'll be lucky to be just the CEO full time in 10 years, like, yeah, without doing any individual contribute. That that that's my goal, and even that's a pipe dream.
0: Yeah. I mean, it it could happen, but even if you succeed, there's no, yeah, it it could take longer for sure. Mm -hmm. So, okay, cool. You want to, uh, move on to looking forward?
1: Yeah. So maybe we can talk about what are our big, you know, goals for 2021. I mean, I, I have a hard time with goals. I didn't really like the professional goal I set last year because it became this thing that just stared at me. Yeah. Um, And it, it wasn't the right one. And I'm earlier stage than you. So change happens at a rapid, you know, a more rapid pace. Um, so I, I just, you know, if you want to talk about goals, great. If you want to talk about projects, that's fine. Or themes, whatever, whatever whatever context you want to talk about what your big plans are for 2021. I think yeah. that goes. Um, I also listed some constraints, but, uh, maybe we could talk about personal first.
0: Sure. You want to, you want to
1: start? Sure. Um, my per my main personal goal I, is to conquer sleep. I am a terrible sleeper. So, I, I've attributed most of my professional inconsistencies, personal health inconsistencies, family you know letdowns to lack of sleep. Um, and I'd really like to figure out how to get consistently good sleep um, week over week for a full you know for, for forever. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I know I need to do a lot here, um, but I have not done a good job of this to date in my life.
0: Is this that when you sleep, you sleep poorly or that you don't give yourself enough time to sleep? it's more complex
1: than we have time to go into it okay. <laughs> with an episode but it's everything from you know not going to bed when I should go to bed to not being able to fall asleep when I want to fall asleep to you know not um, you know drinking caffeine too late in the day to mm. bad habits um, at night and it's it's just a, a lot of there's going to be as much unlearning I think with figuring out how to conquer sleep um, as it is learning how to sleep but just bad habits probably being the
0: number one cause that that's a great goal. That's a top tier. Like I'm always very skeptical of like new year's resolutions and stuff, but that's a so important and b be like concrete enough that I feel like you can actually do something about it.
1: Yeah. So if you're listening and you know, warning to you, Tyler, we're going to be talking a lot about sleep in
0: 2021 <laughs> on this podcast. This is actually now a sleep podcast. We're not talking about startups anymore. Uh, <laughs> cool. So for me, the, the personal goal is, um, it's going to sound very like cliche, but spend more time with uh, friends and family. But there's a specific reason I mean this. And it is, I actually have been very happy this year. I And, and I've been as careful as I get. I lit, I was uh, video chatting with one of my friends last weekend, who I was at his house when lockdown started last year. And he lives in San Francisco, and I had to fly back early and I was like, uh, you're the last person I've seen, uh, aside from my parents, like indoors or, or even extended period out, outdoors. I have not been interacting with anybody. I've been doing remote stuff. I've loved it. I don't need that type of social interaction, but I know it's good for me to have it. And so what I'm worried about is that when things go back to normal, I will just stay in my current habits so I'm going to try my hardest to just force myself. I'm going to try to travel a bunch. I'm going to like, like normally I would never go out with other people on weeknights. I'm going to try to three nights a week, go out with people just to like break myself out of my current habits because I'm too content how I am right now.
1: And is there, uh, are you just worried that you're going to become this person who doesn't put clothes <laughs> on in the morning? And yeah, pretty yeah. much. Okay,
0: <laughs> I, I'm like, I was living life. I'm 35, but I was living life like a 25 year old in a way that I I like, like, I don't have kids. I don't know that I'm going to have kids. I so I was going out to eat a lot, and I was hanging out with friends and staying out late on weekends. And I I want that lifestyle, but like, I could very easily just wake up when I'm 60 years old and be like, oh, I kind of forgot to do that, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, how can I hold you accountable on that one? Um, if I don't come see you. It had better be because I'm going to see someone else. (laughs) Uh, Well, that's not, I don't like that at all. I mean, Uh, I'll I'll come see you, but you know, like, uh, as soon as if, if,
1: at what point I I feel like this is an, a bit of an impossible goal until COVID is resolved. So it's it's with the assumption that COVID gets resolved in 2021. Um, absolutely. Are you going to like, yeah, we, we haven't seen each other in person since I was in St. Louis before we started this podcast. So it's been over a year and a half.
0: Yeah. So we'll, um, no, I, I was in Utah once after that because really? we recorded in person and it went horribly. <laughs> oh yeah, that was yeah. But anyway, that. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. That was a uh, that was a good one. Um, but but yeah. So yeah, I'll I'll hold you accountable to okay us seeing each other in person.
0: I appreciate that. Um, cool. So how about professionally? What what's your theme or whatever?
1: Well, one more personal thing before we move on. I, mm-hmm. I, I just need to share. Um, I will be adjusting to be- becoming a dad. Um, I think, uh, I don't know what that will entail. Exactly it's great for
0: your sleep. I hear. Yeah. yeah thank you. <laughs>
1: um, but, but Sorry. I do, I know Yeah, it'll,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going
1: to be a challenge. So I, I guess I would just set another goal is to just adjust to being a dad and seeing what that means for, uh, my professional, you know, capacity i guess uh yeah. is the is the right word so i i need i don't know i don't have a concrete goal here i just need to acknowledge that and i think it's probably more of a constraint that i just need to be a good do my be be a good new dad
0: yeah i i hope you're planning on like really taking some time off and all that stuff
1: oh yeah um it's a it's a demand from sable that she's gonna be taking a good good maternity leave and she wants me to, t- I, I can't take, you know, I have to be available to clients t- to some degree if they have an issue, but it's going to be very, it's not going to be a, 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 once the baby is born, I think for at least two weeks, um, maybe even a month, it will be very, very, nothing new is going to happen at leg up health. Let's put it yeah. that way.
0: Yeah. Just reactive work. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, uh,
1: professional. So my biggest, um, pr- so I, I, it's, just going to sound just like my goal was for last year, but instead of setting a goal, I thought I'd I just say a theme. Um, yeah, I think I think it's grow and automate. Um, and I'm gonna skip to my biggest worry real quick because I think my goal will be better understood in that context of the worry. So, um, one of the questions we answered is what are, What are you most worried about in 2021? And one is just growth, being able to do this sustainably, and the second is being able to scale the quality of service. With that growth, yeah, yeah, and so um, as a result, you know, that's what I'm worried about, Uh, and so I want my my focus to be taking away that worry, which takes me back to sort of a higher level theme of start to last. One of the biggest realizations I had early on in this podcast, when I was thinking about starting a business, with um, and talking to you about it, was how how important it is to be defensive to defend against fear um, creeping in because. When you make fear-based decisions in a business, oftentimes it's with the short term in mind, not the long term, and it threatens your long-term viability. And so, I look at this fear as like the biggest threat. My fear around this is the biggest threat to like the longevity of of leg up ventures. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I need to just crush it this year on on grow and automate. So, the way I'm going to measure this is sort of two two buckets. One, I'd like to get to 10k in monthly recurring revenue on leg up health. Uh, and leg up benefits combined. And this roughly translates to 20 um, leg up benefit customers and 200 leg up health clients. Um, so uh, very, very doable. doable. So like to put it in context, I have two leg up paying leg up benefits customers. I need to 10 X that get to 20. Um, and then I have 40 uh, leg up health clients. I need to five X that and get to uh, 200. Um, the, The cool thing is about if I focus on leg up benefits is that if they, you know, that generates leg up health client opportunities. So, um,
0: yeah, you potentially get there just from doing the the leg up benefits part.
1: Correct. Depending on how big the companies are. Yep. Awesome.
0: Cool. And And that sounds like a realistic goal. Like my, my best, uh, less knowing serum's best growth year ever was, I think, uh, 12x or something like that. This should probably be your best year-over-year year growth year because the smaller you are, the, the easier it is, and you're shooting for 5 to 10x. So mm-hmm. that sounds that sounds reasonable.
1: Thank you. Um, and then the second bucket is automate via software where I can and outsource some of the manual stuff where I can. Um, tr- the, the manual transactional stuff, um, I, mm-hmm. I, I need to be very, very... I need to focus on that in the first half of the year um, so that when I'm focused on the growth in the second half of the year, it... Uh, so I kind of look at it, this as like two movements. One is preparing for growth and the other half of the year is, second half of the year is um, executing on the growth.
0: Cool. So you, you may be hiring a virtual assistant, that type of thing? I
1: don't know. I don't want to get into yeah, we'll, we'll how, it but, okay. but <laughs> I, I think they're going to, I'm going to have to be creative in this business because it is not a SaaS business.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, for me, so I'm I'm kind of have similar reaction to goals that you do, which is like, I know I'm going to, well... It's just going to stress me out for no reason. So I'm just going to say what my themes are going to be. Um, again, I see three roles: entrepreneur, uh, CEO, and individual contributor. Entrepreneur, uh, I want to focus on marketing. This is this is the big weakness of lessening Serum right now. We we have a good steady stream of customers coming in, but we have no control over it. I have no concept. Like I could not hire a marketer right now and apply them effectively. Um, so it'd be nice if at the end of the year. Whether we have the money to hire them or not, I could say I have a working thing. We have one marketer already. I'm not trying to like discount her, but like we could bring in more people, and they would actually be accretive to the business.
1: You want to get it to seventy?
0: I want to get it to seventy exactly. Um, So we'll see. (laughs) I'll probably bring that up as like a a topic for uh, maybe in January one of these episodes. CEO, honestly, I don't really think I I just keep keep things running. Um, The CEO job gets harder as the headcount or something about the business needs to change. We're not really hiring people aggressively right now. The business is, from a product standpoint, changing a lot, but not like the organization itself. So I don't think I really need to do a whole lot on that front. Uh, And then individual contributor, my theme is going to be this uh, appointment scheduling, like kind of new calendar feature set. There are a lot of features to design, but most of them are pretty straightforward. It's like we need we're we're redoing search, and that's going to require some design, but I don't think there's like much to it. This calendar thing, I think, is like, it could be just another Calendly, or it could be the main reason customers want to use Less Annoying CRM in the future. And it, it all just comes down to the design, so I just need to nail it.
1: What's the guy's name? Derek Reimer? Reimer. Yeah, yeah. He's, less he's, Annoying CRM is coming for you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Watch out. I'm actually a customer of his, and I'm very happy with his product. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not at odds with with Savvy Cal. But uh, yes, I would like the w- the way he he made it like really a better product, not just yet another appointment scheduler. I want to do that, but my vision for it is very very different from his because I'm he's serving tech founders, and I'm serving like very very low tech small businesses.
1: You have similar p- s-
0: solutions to
1: different people's problems.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, those are kind of my my themes. We'll come back in a year and see if either of us uh, held up our end of the bargain here.
1: So high, high level, I just want to make sure I got yours. One, one mm-hmm. is um, is product related, related to calendar. Uh, one is, and the other is marketing. Marketing, yeah, marketing, getting it to seventy so that other people can help. Exactly. Yep. Cool. Cool. What about um, um, what are you worried about?
0: Yeah. So you already gave yours. Mine. This might not happen this year necessarily, but I'm worried. I think what I said in our last episode that we just recorded, uh, we kind of have free built-in revenue growth because we raised our prices and we're we're churning out ten dollar users and replacing them with fifteen dollar users. So I think almost no matter what happens, 2021 will look fine. What I'm worried about is eventually that's going to wear off, and it might. I might find out that we've just been putting lipstick on a pig. And are we actually don't have good enough growth. And I'm feeling this false sense of security because right now things are fine. So maybe by the end of 2021, that honeymoon period with the price increase will be wearing off. And I just really hope we've figured out marketing or something by then so that we don't realize, oh, we're actually plateauing now. In reality, your two products,
1: uh, your two efforts are designed to address that worry exactly. I mean, yeah the marketing to 70 specifically, and then indirectly the product focus on cal- on the calendar tool could affect that as well. Both are both well, are it, growth tools.
0: And yeah, the reason we picked that product idea, there are a ton of things we want to build. That's the one that we think has the highest chance of getting us word of mouth because you're sharing a link with other people. Um, if that could increase, increase our referrals even by 5-10%, that probably fixes my concern. Cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's funny how... How both of our goals slash themes for 2021 are related to our biggest worries,
0: and it's great. Like, I'm. It'd be pretty embarrassing if that weren't true. Uh, Anyone listening, maybe like go through this exercise yourself. And if those don't match up, like, maybe that's a problem.
1: (laughs) Yeah, totally, totally. When is there ever a case where they wouldn't match up, or shouldn't?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's very easy. I've definitely done this in the past to fall into the trap of like I have ideas. I'm going to do them, but there's no intentionality behind them. So it's like, my biggest problem is, our unit economics are bad, but I'm spending all my time on something that has nothing to do with unit economics. I think it I think it happens. Is it happens that okay to, to happen? Only if your biggest worry is like, not really that big of a worry, yeah. I think. <laughs> so never, yeah. 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 Rarely, if ever. <laughs> cool,
1: cool. Um, what do you want to learn in 2021?
0: Um, I'm not sure if this quite Answers that question, but what I put down for this is, I want to remind myself how to iterate quickly. Um, when when you're early on at a company, there are a million things to do, and you can't help but move fast. Or if you don't move fast, you fail. So <laughs> there's survivorship bias here. And I used to be very good at this. The bigger you get, just the longer things take. You know, you need to build consensus with other people. Multiple other employees are involved in every project. You plan bigger projects, and it all just takes longer. With this marketing stuff. I'm going to fail if I do, if I, if I operate at the speed our past marketing projects have operated at, I'm going to fail. I need to remember how to be an entrepreneur and just, it's not about the most, the best possible outcome. It's about, I need to ship something every week. Just try things, try things, try things, and just keep moving. I need to get that muscle memory back.
1: It's more that you're not going to fail enough if you continue down the path
0: that you're currently going. (laughs) You need to fail,
1: increase your failure rate so you can have a more higher probability of finding the success.
0: Yeah. So I, I just completely reprioritized all my marketing. I have a big Kanban board of marketing projects. Every one that's big, I just move to the bottom. I'm like, I don't care how excited I am about this idea, how likely it is to work. I'm doing the smallest things first to try and get myself in the habit of just iterating. Cool. Yeah. That's.
1: I think th- there's something there for me as a learning too um, from last year of, of I, I, I got that wrong on marketing where I was trying to do the big stuff mm. as opposed to just throwing stuff against the wall and see what happens. It's
0: such an easy trap to fall into. It's so hard to stay disciplined about it. Yeah, yeah. Cool. How about you? Uh,
1: for learning, I, I I need to learn more coding, specifically uh, how to work uh, with API data. Um, and then I specifically want to learn how to dynamically uh, generate email emails based on... Data and send them. So transactional. So our monthly updates, for example, we pull data um, in through an API, and I'm doing that manually currently. And then I we construct a an email based on that data that updates each person on their policy. Uh, I manually construct that monthly update. So I, I think if I learned how to build, do both of do automate via code both of those, you know, sort of pieces. I think it would unlock a lot of opportunity for me because I'd be required to learn a lot of things, um, elsewhere. So for example, I, you know, if I solve that problem, one, I'll solve one of our m- biggest automations, but I'll also perhaps be able to add things to the product that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to add. One example might be a lot of uh, some, some percentage of our customers have HSA accounts. I'm sorry, health savings mm-hmm. accounts, HSAs and being it, for example, doing a played, um, or plaid. I'm not sure how you say it, but doing, a you know, an integration where they could pull in their HSA balance Uh, Hmm. could be done. If I knew how to code an API with the APIs and do some of the things, I should be able to do that too. So anyway, I, those are the two things I'm going to focus on. Um, And if I, I think if I do those, I'll identify other things I can apply those learnings to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cool. Do you know what tools you'd use for the no code email thing? Um,
1: I don't think it would be no code. So I'm specifically saying coding. Yeah.
0: Cause I think you could, well, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see what you come up with.
1: I think for the API side, I probably need to code. And then, so I'm Mm -hmm. thinking that since I'm coding that, I might as well just do the emails via code as well. That's fair.
0: We should talk about that, though, because we've actually started doing, we're obviously coding a lot of stuff, but some of our emails are getting more and more into the no-code space. We're doing a lot through Drip and Zapier and stuff like that. Cool. Love to talk about that. um, Cool. Okay, so final thing here. We did this last year. We're going to do it again. Each of us is going to make a prediction real quick. Let's just say what our predictions were last year. So yours was that there will be an all-in-one leader who will emerge in the no-code industry. You're shaking did, your head. That did not yeah, happen. Yeah, it did not
1: happen. Uh, if anything, it was the year of no-code failures. Um, mm. I, one, of the, one of the biggest things that happened is a lot of the no-code tools that I use in particular um, kind of reached this point where they had to like stop responding to customers because they realized the demand outsized what they could scale and so there it's almost like every no-code tool that i was interested in adalo memberstack and uh, webflow had the, maybe not webflow but adalo and memberstack adalo maybe is how you say it i i don't know how to say their name but but they they kind of had this moment of dead silence where they were going through and realizing crap we can't add more features until we refactor our entire code base so um it was a kind of a step backward in order to go a couple steps forward Another interesting observation in the no-code space is that MemberStack, which I would have called a no-code tool in 2019, has sort of, they've raised some capital and they've sort of shifted to, we are low-code uh, billing and user authentication for developers. So they're hmm, kind of exiting the no-code space um, and more focusing, doubling down on the on the low-code space. The uh, And then Webflow has just kind of stayed pretty much the same as they were a year ago and i really thought that the that the innovation would come from webflow and it did not happen. So what about you? How how did your predictions fare?
0: So my prediction um, was that starting a software business without venture capital would become more mainstream over the next year and that's what i that's what i wrote in the notes but if i recall correctly i was specifically talking about that these other funding mechanisms like earnest capital and tiny seed would become more mainstream. I'm in a bubble here. What what's your perception of that? Do you think that happened?
1: they're certainly louder and um more like pe- talk, they're, they 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 have more followers i yeah. I, I don't meet people who i haven't met anyone who's actually received funding from mm, this yeah. traditional path but if you, i think you probably can speak to it better because you well, are in that bubble
0: yeah the bubble i'm talking i mean i became an investor in earnest capital um and i just i follow all all the people doing this I think I'm going to give myself like a B on this rating. I don't think it like 100% happened, but I I think all of those have increased their following and it's normalized. Even if they're not funding more companies, I think it's like a more mainstream thing. The other thing though that I didn't exactly predict, but it's part of this, there's a lot of these rolling funds that are becoming really popular. Have you followed that at all? Yes, but this is traditional VC, correct? I don't think so. I mean, maybe like legally it is.
1: It seems like it's mostly through AngelList, and it's um, it's uh, equity deals.
0: Yes, I agree with that. I don't think that these are institutional investors, though. I guess that's maybe by and definition you are, if you. But yeah, they're, they're
1: kind of angel angelish, right? Kind of syndicated angel rounds. How yeah. Say. So,
0: so if anyone hasn't followed this, the the trend that I've seen is like people who have a following and some kind of deep insight into a space. So, for example. I think Gumroad has done one of these. They sell their product. They're a platform for people who create info products to sell them online. Then they created something like a rolling fund to invest in the best info product creators, basically leveraging their special access and insight to get deal flow. Um, so there's all these rolling funds from people who are not venture capitalists, but are saying, I have the ability to like find talent better than anybody else in this niche, Um, That seems to be increasing in prevalence. A couple
1: other examples. Morning Brew, one of the Morning Brew founders launched one. MakerPad um, launched one. Uh, Gosh, there's one more. I can't think of the name right now, but those are two other examples.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I I think that um, this is a more than one year shift, but I still feel good that my original prediction is in the process of happening, I think. Cool. So how about for this next year? So you go first. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'm gonna say three three trends that are happening. this this is not my prediction because there's I'm kind of too late. If I'd said this a month ago, some of these would seem interesting, but they're too obvious, but then I'm gonna say what I think will happen as a result. Okay, the three trends are. first of all, I think there's a maturation of the initial wave of unicorns. So unicorns being privately valued companies, uh, pr- private companies that are valued at over a billion dollars. The first wave was Dropbox, Slack, Stripe, uh, Airbnb, Uber, companies like that. Um, They have all either gone public or are about to go public or have gotten acquired. You know, Slack went public and then got acquired. There is a maturation where these are no longer startups. A lot of people who are involved in these startups have extracted their wealth from it, which means there are a lot of people with A, entrepreneurial experience to go start new companies and B, money to invest in new companies. So that's trend number one. Trend number two is that um, I think that a lot of people are well, I don't think that a lot of people are leaving the Bay Area right now. Uh, Miami seems oddly enough, seems to be one of the main have you followed this? Like everyone's mm-hmm. moving to Miami. Yep. Um Bay Area, great place, magical place. I lived there for five years. Its biggest problem, it's got a lot of problems, but its biggest one was it's just overpopulated and they won't build housing. A lot of the people who got rich and fat off of the last 20 years of Silicon Valley are leaving. That's trend number two. And then trend number three is, I think, uh, 2021, obviously there's a ton of momentum building up for uh, regulating big tech. Some of these companies, I think, are going to get split up. Maybe not this year, but in the next year or two. Um, Some of them will probably self-regulate to avoid uh, the government coming after them. But Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, Facebook, Google are all facing scrutiny from the government that they've never faced before, right? Okay. Sorry, I'm rambling here. Those are my three, those trends are happening. My prediction is, maybe this is more than a one-year prediction, but I think San Francisco and the Bay Area is going to have a new era of opportunity for young, first-time, hungry entrepreneurs, because all three of those things mean the old guard are losing power. They were sucking up all the oxygen out of that entire ecosystem, and I think there's now oxygen for the new people.
1: So you think San Francisco is going to reinvent itself?
0: Yes. Cool. I I hate I hate to say that because like I want it to be, you know, I'm very contrarian and I don't want it to happen again there, but I think it will.
1: <laughs> and who do you think is
0: going to lead that charge? I think probably the the wave of people who were early employees at those first unicorns. There's a lot of millionaires and billionaires who haven't Haven't really taken a shot. I think the last five years, it's been impossible but aren't to go people, after any of these big companies. Are those the same people
1: moving to Miami, or are those different people?
0: I think like the people who invested in Slack-type companies are the ones moving to Miami. Actually, sorry, a lot of people are moving to Miami. But there will be enough new thinkers and new money in the Bay Area. If I were a college student, two years ago, I would have said, do not move to the Bay Area. Right now, I'd say, go there. There's opportunity there. That's what I would say. Cool. I so don't know got- what I'm talking about, though, so yeah. take this all with a grain of salt. <laughs> cool.
1: Well, how will we know if it came
0: true? Like, What's the sign? That's that's a good question. Um, I mean, I I think I'd kind of say you'll know it when you see it. I, I think that tech, tech startups in the Bay Area have been boring for the last several years. No one wants to go after any of the big markets because there's so much anti-competitive behavior by the Googles and Amazons of the world. I'm not sure how you measure this, but are there like interesting like can you name an interesting new company that came out of Silicon Valley in the last year in like the kind of consume like software space? Nope. So if if neither of us can name anyone, then I'm wrong. If if we can name a handful of exciting new companies, then I'll say I'm right.
1: That sounds good. That sounds cool. like a plan. What's um, your prediction? So I actually liked how you did the trend observations. I didn't prepare that, but let me see if I can set my prediction up with some some trends that I'm observing. Um, so specifically in the healthcare space, uh, what COVID accelerated mass, like massive innovation and regulatory change in the telemedicine and what I would call digital health space. Um, so going to a doctor online and or via your phone, um, and having that covered by insurance or Medicare government programs, uh, pharmacy delivery. Uh, assuming you never leave your home healthcare coming to you type things, especially for primary care. Um, COVID also accelerated remote, uh, remote meetings as we all know, which has, has led to people getting more comfortable with video, um, and meeting people, having synchronous video conversations. And then third, uh, the, uh, COVID's also had this massive, this is more of an observation, but negative impact on mental health. Like we're, we're, we're going to face people sort of a, I, th- I think I'll just translate this into two predictions. One on one is on the video front. I think that we're going to see increased adoption, massively increased adoption of asynchronous video in the professional space. I think we're going to see it in the doctor in the in the medical profession, and I also think we're going to see it in the team environment. Um, and, and, and third, in the customer to you know the 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 service provider to customer space. Um, I've I've tapped now that I'm comfortable with video chatting with anyone in the world. I'm already tapping into asynchronous video just by stumbling into it uh, for client interactions and it's so much better than email in some cases.
0: What what tools are you using for this? Loom
1: is a tool that I'm Loom. I'm using, but I think I think it's not perfect for yeah. some of the use cases I have and I I think there's a tremendous amount of opportunity for asynchronous doctor visits, asynchronous team meetings. I just I I think video asynchronous video is going to have its moment in 2021. And I can't I don't think it's had it yet, um, but I think uh, everything's there for it to happen in 2021. Would you, do you want to talk about that?
0: I I mean, I'll just give my reaction to that. I love this prediction. It should happen, whether it does or not. I'm very skeptical it happens in healthcare. That is not an industry that is uh, on the forefront of anything.
1: <laughs> oh, gosh, I hope it does. There's no reason why you couldn't have an asynchronous great. video. Like Let's say you have a therapist. There's no reason you shouldn't be able to have an asynchronous video conversation, ongoing video conversation with your therapist that is billed by the time that they spend responding to you and asking questions to you.
0: I agree, but there's no reason you shouldn't have been able to do that remotely prior to this year. And yet they, they just, I think that
1: I I think the main reason is our comfort. So this is my main observation, which is our comfort level with video, live video, synchronous video has gotten so high. It used to be just awkward that we've crossed the threshold of where it's now a legitimate communication um, medium, which opens up asynchronous communication.
0: Yeah. I buy that. I 100% agree. I just think if you think of like crossing the chasm, the early adopters will do the async thing first and I don't view healthcare as being early adopters of anything. That's fair. That's fair. But I, well, I like the prediction. But the a early
1: lot, the, the early adopters of asynchronous are already there. It's it's kids with Snapchat. It's it's yeah, that's it's true. groups of of women primarily with uh, Marco Polo I think is what it's called. Have you heard of this? No. Yeah, there's so just out tool- of it. <laughs> oh yeah. So there's there's some Interesting things happening on a consumer basis with asynchronous video. It just hasn't, it doesn't seem like it's quite made it to the, to the corporate, you know, team space. And then the, the, you know, customer client relation, uh, yeah. space. If I were okay. going to start a business today with you, this would be a space that I'd be very interested in.
0: Ah, oh, that'd be so much fun. Ah, okay. Well, you only get to one, live one life at a time though. <laughs> so
1: yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at, at asynchronous video being my prediction.
0: Okay. Very cool. All right. Well, this uh, this was a monster episode. We'll have to talk about it if we want to break this into two or, or leave it as like this will be an hour and 35 minutes. But uh, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for talking through all that with me, Rick. Um, so we both had great 2020s despite how horrible of a year it was for the world. So that's awesome. And uh, hopefully everyone listening, have a great 2021. Yeah. And I just, I just want to give a shout
1: out to... the the people who've reached out to me about the podcast this year. Um, There's friends that I've known for a long time, and there's people that I've met for the first time this year uh, through this podcast um, that I would have, you know, I I now have a better relationship with because we're putting that on this podcast and they're listening. And then they're, you know, I really appreciate the people who've taken time to reach out and with, with thoughts um, or questions because it's allowed some new relationships to blossom. Um, I'm also really grateful, Tyler, for our relationship. Uh, I think I said this same thing last year during this episode, but, um, our relationship grew a lot last year and I think it's grown this year and I can't wait to actually get together in person to see how that affects our, you know, our, our, our kind of like how we go back and forth. But, um, I, I feel really connected to what's going on in your life. Um, and that's, that's really nice.
0: Yeah. Same. This podcast has been a great thing for me. Uh, if anyone is thinking about doing it, I was really nervous about the time commitment, like spending an hour every week plus producing it and all that. It's it's I look forward to it every week. It's not a it's not work, it's not a chore at all. So if anyone's got a a buddy you want to talk to once a week, start a podcast. <laughs> so here
1: here. Um well, I'll I'm not going to do the normal sign off. I'll just say uh see you uh in 2 weeks or see you next week. Yep. Yeah, see ya.